Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hello, I'm Maren, and our passage tonight is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 11 to 25. So chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Awesome. Well, good evening, everyone. If we haven't met, my name's John, uh, and uh, I want to tell you about a time in my life uh, just a few years ago uh, where I was involved in an organisation. It's a volunteer organisation called Red Frogs chaplaincy. Anyone heard of Red Frogs chaplaincy? Awesome. Or just, also just called Red Frogs. Um, what I've got is, I've got my hoodie, because what happens is Red Frogs, they're all about safeguarding the, uh, the next generation, right? And uh, we would walk through streets uh, on the Gold Coast, or still do, uh, and uh, it's all about helping to create a safe space for people who are school leavers. So Red Frogs also do things like um, uh, sporting events. They work in uni colleges and stuff like that. But the reason they're called Red Frogs, does anyone know? Because they give out Red Frogs. So uh, thanks to the Leons, I've got uh, a bag of Red Frogs. John Red Frog. And so we walk around like this and... Hey man, how you doing? You good? Yeah, good. Excellent. Uh, we'd hand out red frogs, uh, and it was all about keeping people uh, safe. So there's a hotline that people could call 
Uh, if they were at a club and all their friends abandoned them and they were there by themselves and they wanted to, wanted to get home safe. So we'd walk with them. Uh, they would call for pancake cook-ups. We'd come and cook them pancakes the next day and help them tidy up their, uh, their hotel room after it's been made a mess. Uh, and we would do that all because uh, we were Christians and because we wanted to go in the name of Jesus. And, uh, one, one year when I was on the Gold Coast, uh, we got to a hotel room. We went into this room with a bunch of blokes. Uh, all of them were off their face, bar one. Uh, and the one, his name was Aaron. And we entered, uh, we entered and like we helped kind of tidy up the hotel room. But the thing that we realized, oh, so we, we left and the next day we thought, oh great, we made this connection. But the next day, uh, I get a call from the like call center and they're like, oh, there's this guy looking for you. Um, his name's Aaron. He's somewhere. Uh, just keep an eye out for him. Anyway, we made this connection. We, we saw each other in the street and he saw me and he said, John, I don't know what it is that you guys have, but I want it. And uh, giving thanks to God, Aaron uh, became a Christian uh, and he follows Jesus to this day, it's my understanding. Uh, he lives in Melbourne and goes to church down there. But we like doing good things, don't we, as Christians? We like to do good things and help people to see, uh, see God's love through our actions. And as Christians, we like the idea of acts of service and uh, caring for the poor and the sick and the needy, which are all, we're all commended to do. But in tonight's passage, uh, Peter says something more radical uh, than just doing good deeds by helping the needy and helping the poor. Uh, he actually says that our such good lives as exiles must be through humble submission. Oh, actually, sorry, I better blank out that word. Um, submission's a bit of a dirty word in our culture, isn't it? Um, we don't like the word submission because uh, we like to forge our own path and make our own path. We like to decide our own way of living. And Peter, he says, well, actually, we've got to live a different way. As people who are exiles and foreigners in this land, in this world, we are called to live a different way. We're called to, first of all, to submit our will to most, first of all, and most importantly, to God. And that is to surrender my will for his will. Let his be, will be the one that directs me. And then Peter goes on to say, well, actually, even more than that, you're called to submit your will for human authorities' will and also to submit your will for your master's will. Now, choosing our own way is the comfortable thing to do, to forge our own path and to decide what I want is the most comfortable thing to do. But as we'll see as we look at this passage, I want to urge you that submission is the Christ thing to do. That we are called to choose Christ, not comfort. To follow in Christ's footsteps, not to forge our own path. So where are we in the Bible? Well, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, Peter is writing to a bunch of Christians who have been persecuted for what they believe and who they are. Uh, they are living under Nero. Uh, does anyone remember, like, there used to be CDs and we used to burn things onto CDs? There was this program called Nero. 
Um, anyway, that's where that comes from. We can talk about Nero later, um, the burning program. But under Nero, persecution increased more than it had ever been in the world. Under Nero, uh, Christians were treated poorly. Uh, they were killed because they believed in Jesus. And last week, this letter that we looked at, we saw Peter talking about the identity that we have as Christians and that they had as Christians that they were united to Christ, the living stone, who was rejected by humans but chosen by God and was precious to him. And that for those who are in Christ, we're united to that living stone, so we then take on that identity as well. We are called a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Uh, We're called a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And from this status, that if you are in Christ, this is who you are, then Peter goes on to say, well, you are called to live such good lives. Our world says, choose comfort, but Peter says, choose Christ. Our world says, forge your own path, but Peter says, no, 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 follow in Christ's footsteps. So, uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verse 11 and 12 He starts by saying this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. This is uh, like Peter's general exhortation for the next few verses. So this week and next week really see uh, that what Peter is doing is he's expanding on this. Living such good lives, he then goes to talk about what it looks like in society as a citizen and then uh, as, as uh, a worker, as a slave we see here. And then next week we're going to look at in marriage, in the marriage relationship. Now Peter's not telling masters or people in authority what to do. Um, He's talking specifically to those who are most likely to be mistreated by like, the world's institutions. So those who are workers, those who are slaves, um, those who aren't in the authority. And these three areas of life, you know, society, work and in marriage, um, Peter says that the humble submission is the key to living such good lives. Now, submission... Uh, This idea, uh, I want you to remember, is surrendering your will for the will of someone else. So like when I'm in my hoodie and my trackies and we're at the beach and my mate's like, let's go in. And I'm like, oh man, but it's so warm. It's the middle of winter. I really like this. He's like, no, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I give in and I go, okay, yeah, I'll come with you. That's me submitting to his will. Or uh, if you think about when you're in school and, you know, it's the morning and you're like, I just don't want to go to school. But your parents, their will is that you would go to school. And the government's will, well, it's that you would go to school. And so you surrender your will and you go to school. Uh, And as a church, we also need to submit our will uh, to the authorities. So uh, with the new kind of rules around single-use plastics, you know, uh, we used to take communion in the, since COVID, uh, those little cups, you know, the plastic cups that we, then we throw away. And the government said, all right, from this date on, you're no longer allowed to use them, even if you've paid for them, right? So we had a bunch sitting on the shelves in there a couple of weeks ago that we couldn't use. Even though we'd already paid for them, they had to sit there. And I was like, oh, sure, we'll just use them. Like, you know, we've already paid for them. Why not? 
But no, we had to submit our will to the authority and to take, and we actually were able to give them to another church in a different state who was able to use them. Right? Things like that is how we're actually called to live in submitting our will to those who are in authority. And submission needs to be at every part of every Christian's life of every day, right? Verse 11 and 12 is the submission of our will to God's will, living his way instead of my own. And then we move in to verse 13, where we're called to live good lives, such good lives among the pagans. That is, he then says that we're called to submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or the governors. I want to remind you for Peter, who was he living under? Nero. And he uh, was known for persecution. That's how we know him, that he hated Christians and he didn't like what they were doing and he wanted to get rid of them. And so verse 13 to 15, uh, Peter talks about how they were called to submit themselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, even to Nero, who persecuted them for being a Christian. He said, submit. And Peter finishes his appeal on submitting to human authority with these four commands in verse 17. He says this, he says, Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honour the emperor. So, show proper respect to everyone, honour everyone, because every single human is made in the image of God. They have inherent value. They are worthy for us to show respect as someone who is made in the image of God. Even Nero. So where does that leave us today? People who are in authority over us, whether it's your teacher or a politician, we are called to show respect to that person. Then he says in verse 17, love the family of believers. And then next he says, fear God. He doesn't say fear the emperor, even though the emperor is the one that was, was threatening to kill them. But he says, no, 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 fear God. He says, obey God and fear him. Be in awe of who he is, for he is worthy of that awe. So he says, fear God and then honour the emperor. The emperor, Nero, right? The dude that hated Christians. As a creature made in the image of God and an authority placed over them by God's will, Peter said, honour Nero. If these Christians who lived under persecution under the emperor and the governors, if they should and could uh, speak and treat the emperor with respect, then where does that leave us today with those who are in authority over us? Whatever authority God has placed over you, you are called to humbly submit and to respect those who are in authority. But we await a far better government that is to come than all earthly governments. We are looking for when Christ comes and we uh, will finally sit under this righteous government in the new heaven and the new earth that will rule justly and perfectly we look forward to that but until then peter says 
humbly submit to those who are in authority. This is the way of the exile. Choose Christ, not comfort. So, as a citizen, and then he starts to move into goodness as a slave. Verse 18, he says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Now, uh, when we think about slavery, um, you might be like, wait, is the Bible pro-slavery? I want to tell you definitively it is anti-slavery, which you might want to ask a question about later if you want to talk about that. But um, slavery was happening in this time, right? Slavery was happening. And uh, my understanding is that the majority of slavery came from when someone was made bankrupt. And so they would sell their farm uh, and they would then need to move into someone else's family business, move into the next door neighbor's Jim's mowing or something like that, right? Like then what they would do is they would work under them because the reality is they had one option, two options, either let their family starve to death or use the only thing they had left, their labour so that they could uh, work to pay off their debt. It was uh, like a voluntarily and a temporary commitment uh, to become part of someone else's family business because they didn't have job seeker or Centrelink or anything like that. So Peter, in this, he doesn't say submit uh, to those who are worthy of it, to those who treat you good. But no, he says, uh, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Um, We live in a very different world to this uh, that says, you know, if your boss doesn't deserve it, then don't respect them. Don't honour them. Uh, You know, badmouth them to your colleagues. Complain about them. Retaliate when they say something. Threaten that, oh, you know, if this doesn't change them, you know, whatever. Um, But what Peter says is you're called to, as long as you have a boss, to respect them as a human being, as someone who is made in the image of God. This is the kind of slavery that Peter is talking about here. He says, uh, respect the master that you are working under. But um, I want to tell you, uh, Philip Yancey... uh, This guy, Christian dude, he wrote this. He said, it's not about me and it's not about now. It's about God's glory and it's about the end. It's not about me and it's not about now. It's about God's glory and it's about the end. You see, we, what he he then goes on to say in verse 19 is to endure the suffering for doing good. So do good and endure the suffering because he he wants Christians to choose Christ not comfort. Well, the beauty is that Peter doesn't leave us on our own to figure out what submission looks like as a Christian in this world. Um, He provides an example for us to follow. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, here is what he says. He says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. That is, to follow any steps and not forge your own path. Uh, we've all been called to endure suffering for doing good, for being a Christian and doing good and submitting. Um, we're a long way now from like, the prosperity gospel, right? <laughs> suffering. This is what we're called to do. 
The suffering of Christ is the pattern on which our endurance as a Christian is meant to be. We're meant to follow in his footsteps, especially in surrendering our will to, first of all, God's and then to the authorities. Christ, the perfect example, uh, he, from womb to tomb, was innocent, right? He didn't... What did I say? Oh, womb to tomb. Oh, right, yeah, from womb to tomb. He was innocent. He did nothing wrong, right? He just, he kept living for Jesus. He kept living for God. Uh, he did nothing wrong. He never sinned. Verse 22, what does he say? He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Verse 23, he did not, uh, he didn't retaliate. What does it say when they hurled their insults at him? He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, what did he do? He entrusted himself to the God who judges justly. He gave himself over to the will of his father. And we see this, uh, I think, most beautifully in John 18, when a soldier, what he does is he whacks Jesus in the face because he thought that Jesus was being disrespectful to the high priest. And Jesus looked at him in the face and said, if I said something wrong, tell me you know, what, it, what it is. But if I didn't, why did you hit me? Uh, Jesus, he didn't retaliate. He didn't threaten. He did hold the man accountable, but he didn't respond uh, in a negative way. I think the hardest place to not sin is when we've been sinned against. You know, when someone has done something that has hurt you, it's easy for us to kind of go, if they started it, then, you know, I've got the right to finish it. And yet, Jesus, what did he do? Not even a whisper of retaliation. And as Jesus is being beaten and treated like a criminal, the only sins that were on him were yours and mine. And in that moment, he stayed innocent, didn't retaliate, didn't threaten, but submitted himself to the will of his father and in turn, the will of the authorities. Verse 24 says this, that he himself bore our sins on the cross, in his body on the cross. And why was that? Well, it was so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Why did he do it? So that we would die to our sins and our fleshly desires and live for righteousness, to live for Christ. Christ took full responsibility for your sin and for my sin. The most beautiful exchange. Your imperfection for his perfection. Your filth for his clean clothes. Your sin for his righteousness so that his righteousness might come to you and your sin might go to him. And as Jesus entered the horror of hell itself on the cross, what did he do? He brought you into life to the full. Uh, if, if you're not yet a Christian today, uh, this is a, the greatest offer that you could ever receive. The forgiveness of your sins. And uh, you might 
want to explore that more. If you do, uh, please come and talk to anyone that's at the front, uh, myself, Bree. Uh, we would love to get you connected into a program called Alpha where you can explore questions of faith and life. But for those of us who are Christians, forgiveness isn't the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage is that Jesus carries our sins so that we will say no to sin and yes to living righteous lives. So that you will walk in Christ's footsteps, not forging your own path and living for your fleshly desires. It focuses on the fact that Christ died for you so that you would no longer live for yourself, but that you would live for him. Verse 25, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You used to live in your own way, fulfilling your sinful desires that wage war on your soul. Back to verse 12, uh, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Where your sinful desires, that's the comfort, that's what rules in your heart. And he says in verse 25, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, letting Christ rule in your hearts. So we are called to live such good lives amongst the pagans that they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the final day. That is that they may put their trust in Jesus and praise God. We are called to choose Christ, not comfort. And so what does that mean for you today? I want you to think for yourself, where have you excused uh, yourself from submitting to authority or to respecting those who are in authority over you as someone who is made in the image of God? Where have you excused yourself in submitting to authority? Maybe it's as simple as, you know, like tapping the opal card as you jump on the bus and just not doing that a couple of times. Oh, it's not that bad. Um, or maybe it's uh, in your car when you're driving just a few couple of extra Ks over the speed limit. You're like, ah, it's all right. It's just a couple of extra Ks. No one will know. It doesn't really matter. No, no, no. Peter says, live such good lives that you would submit to the authorities. Maybe it's in honouring your parents. Maybe you haven't treated your parents as someone who is made in the image of God. Maybe they're elderly and it's really hard. Maybe uh, it's in your Netflix login, you know, when you're using someone else's Netflix login or something like that. You know, whatever it is, you and I were called to humbly submit. We're called to humbly submit ourselves. First of all, to the will of God, that is to follow in the footsteps of Christ. To choose to live like him as someone who submitted to the authorities. Or are you going to choose to live your own way, the comfortable, easy way of just forging your own path? Submission is not the comfortable thing to do. And it's not an easy word for us to talk about in our society, but it is the Christ thing to do. What are you going to pursue? Comfort or Christ? The one who showed the ultimate sacrifice and submission to another's will 
as he walked up that hill, was nailed to a cross, taking the punishment for yours and my sin. The one who Peter says we are to follow in his footsteps. Let me pray to ask God that he'd help us to choose Christ and to follow in his footsteps. Let's pray. God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you most of all uh, for Jesus and the price that he paid for us. Uh, Lord, uh, we know that submission in our society is a dirty word uh, and it's, uh, it's countercultural. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to flee from the comfort of, of forging our own path and going our own way and doing what we want and that we might follow in the footsteps of Christ as someone who humbly submits to your will first and foremost, to then the will of those who are in authority over us. Lord, we give you thanks that you've given us your spirit to help us to do that. But Lord, we pray, give us the strength to choose Christ, not comfort. Amen. Please stand and let's sing Jesus Paid It All as we respond uh, to what John has just spoken to us about. John to come back and Bree, you come up as well. Yeah, yeah, right. Good. That's for Bree, not you, John. That's fine. I would for Bree too. Okay, right. I didn't worry for myself. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, John! <laughs> all right. We're going to have uh, some Q and A. Uh, people have been submitting questions on Slido. Uh, I've got Bree up here as well. If you missed the announcement a couple of weeks ago, Bree has been hired in a casual part-time position to be uh, helping our church. Seek to, I was going to say potential, that's not even true. Purpose, uh, to live out purpose. Uh, Bree, you need a microphone, which Josh has. Yeah, there it is, thanks. Uh, John, would you believe after you went fishing for a question on slavery? I know there was no one. one. <laughs> I was like, that's Sorry, fine. I'll ask you anyway. I'll no, 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 no. I no. came up with one after I said this. All right, but uh, a lot of questions that I would put under the category of civil disobedience, mm. uh, although maybe not just the. Yeah, we'll get to it. Let me just ask. Uh, I think maybe most helpful to go with a specific question. So our top question. For Christians serving in highly persecuted and dangerous countries, mm. e.g. North Korea, mm. leading and running secret churches, how is this honouring authorities? It's mm. a good question, isn't it? I think um, we can look throughout the Bible and we can see uh, in the Old Testament men and women making decisions uh, that were opposed to the government. Uh, or the ruling authority or the ruling king uh, to submit to the will of the Father first and foremost. Um, so, like we see it in Daniel, uh, you know, when, or let's go Shadrach, Meshach, and Aben, I can never say his name. Abednego. <laughs> that dude. Uh, when they were told, you know, that they had to bow down and worship these other gods, and what do they do? No, they don't do that. 
Um, and that's because they're submitting to the will of the Father first and foremost. Um, and for Christians who are able to meet together in the smallest little way, um, I think that is submitting to the Father's will first and foremost. Um, how is it honouring those authorities? Um, it's a good question. I think, one little thought, um, the idea of submission is kind of like this positional language, right? It's about putting yourself underneath um, the authority. And 99% of the time that means obedience, it means to obey. But there might be times where, yeah, to uh, obey God means disobeying um, that authority. And I think you can still have an attitude of submission even in those moments of disobedience. Um, so it might look like, mm. yeah, still treating those authorities with respect even though you're not going to be obeying them. Face is way better than me. <laughs> Hang in there, buddy. You're all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, you're both doing a wonderful job and I'm proud of you. Uh, all right. Uh, let, let's keep driving down into this question though because I think civil disobedience, we're thinking about obeying or not obeying government. Mm. Uh, a number of these questions that people have sent in are thinking about uh, obedience to people more directly connected to them. So, say in the workplace, mm. uh, let me throw in the concept of safety, your own safety, because obviously Jesus' example is that he's not prioritizing his own safety. What does it look like uh, for us to submit the way it seems to be that we're being called to here uh, in regards to our own safety? Our own personal safety yeah. and others' personal safety? I'll give you or? a hypothetical. Your employer uh, wants you to, on the construction site, not worry about all the safety gear. Mm. This is not in there. I'm just making this up right now. I don't know why I'm winging it. But uh, that your boss told you to do it. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I'd go... You've also got to submit to those authorities that are above him as well. <laughs> you know, So, like, you've got to put that stuff on and you've got to actually make those decisions and you're honouring him or her, by protecting yourself. Because if, if you're going to... Like, in that particular situation, if something was happened to you, then you'd be like, um, he'd be in trouble, right? Not you. Um, yeah. So what about, just maybe more generally, this principle of where does... How do we know how much to prioritise our own safety and well-being? Uh, mm. Bree, do you want to chip in? Yeah, I think... Um, Verse 19 is a good um, place to look. Um, it says, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Um, I think when it comes to suffering and safety, um, the only times where you're going to be um, willing to put that at risk is if it's directly for being a Christian, I think. So for persecuted Christians in other parts of the world, um, they will have to give up their safety um, to honour God in that situation. Um, but for us here in Sydney, that's unlikely to ever happen. If it's a yeah, mean yeah, if it's just about physical safety or emotional safety in a workplace where it's not directly related to your faith, mm. I think it's important to look after your own safety. Mm. Great. Yeah, thanks, Bree. That was helpful. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me see. Oh, look at that. There's a slavery question. You guys can't see it, but it's, it's, it's appearing on mine and it's the most voted for question. Uh, John. 
I'd just love to hear you talk a little bit more about slavery in the New Testament and why you're so confident the Bible's against it. Awesome, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, we can see it throughout the entire Bible, right? Um, that God is for his creation, for the people that he has made. Um, you go back to the Old Testament, you can see uh, in the law, so like in Exodus, uh, it says that slave trading, uh, that that was a, if you were to sell a man or a woman, um, that that the punishment for that was actually death. Um, and so uh, we see there that God values human life, right? That if you were to sell someone like they were property, that they were to be killed. And then in 1 Timothy, we see that happen again, uh, making reference back to that, that it's a sin to, to sell someone as property. Um, slaves um, are encouraged in 1 Corinthians uh, to, if they are able, to, to take up freedom because... Uh, that's not necessarily the way they're called to live. Um, Galatians 3 talks about how slaves um, were seen together with their masters as brothers and sisters in the gathering of believers, that they aren't any less a human being, but they are still a human made in the image of God, just like their master. So they're brothers and sisters. They're not slave and master in the body of believers. Um, Look, I could keep going, but... um, Slaves are servants of Christ, first and foremost, not property. We can, we can look at that. Um, uh, the masters, if you're a Christian master of a slave, that you were called to care for them. Um, you know, uh, Colossians 4 says this, provide slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Um, the word slaves in our culture, we think uh, chains, what is it, ball and, okay, what's the, Ball and chain. Ball and chain. Thanks for that one. Um, you know, like that kind of like we are stuck uh, um, in slavery. Um, that's kind of when we hear the word slave, that's what we straight away jump to. Um, but God is for people. He is for his creation. He made them in his image. And we're to value them more than property, like they're chained up something, you know, that is ours to keep. Um, yeah, great. Thank yeah. you. So both in their identity, in the value that God gives them, yeah. uh, in the restrictions God places on slavery, in the directions he gives the slave masters, in the encouragement he has for slaves to pursue freedom where they can, mm. uh, he's, he's undermining the institution of slavery yeah. in a world that is so ingrained with slavery yeah. that we can see in the coming centuries it's Christians that lead the way in undermining slavery. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.